Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. With tensions high and emotions on edge following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, a sheriff in Flint, Michigan, decided to approach anti-racism protesters in his community in a different way, and it proved to be successful. Although police in ride gear had already set up at a rally in town, Sheriff Christopher Swanson did something unusual. He took off his ride gear, put down his baton, and instead of confronting anti-racism protesters, not only did he listen to them, he marched with them. Today on Connections, he'll share more about his community and why he decided to do what he did. Our guest today is Christopher Swanson. He is the sheriff in Flint, Michigan, and he was recently put into the spotlight after he took off his ride gear, put down his baton, and not only did he listen to anti-racism protesters, he marched alongside them. Now, Sheriff Swanson, you say that faith plays a huge role in your life. Tell us a little bit more about that. I was raised in Lutheran Church, and uh, my parents were all Lutheran, and then I uh, I broke out and uh, when I was 18, and I had kind of like a transitional salvation experience so i can't pick a, a lightning bolt day but uh man it's been uh it's been relational since i was about 20 21 years old well that must feel great that's yeah, awesome i got the greatest job ever so you are a police officer but you also do a lot of christian speaking as well i do i can lay down the word <laughs> and what got you into that well probably because uh i've always had the gift of gab and when i was taught growing up i would always get in trouble for talking in school, and I always talk. I always love people, and I can relate to any crowd. And as a, as, as a police officer going through all the ranks, um, I continued to talk. And really about, about when I was in my 30s, young 30s, I started teaching Bible studies and Sunday schools, and I uh, really dove deep in the, uh, in the faith. I was a Baptist church I was going to at the time. And then I just started preaching about uh, 14 years ago. And now I, I love preaching. I was just I preached yesterday. At a black church up in the north end, and uh, I, I just, yeah, that's one thing I love to do. I, it keeps me grounded. It certainly does. Sheriff Swanson, what was going through your mind when all of this was happening? Yeah, for sure. I love talking to Christian radio because you're going to get what I, uh, I'm about to say. But all day we had prepared for a protest that, by all our intel gathering, was to be peaceful but yet volatile. And uh, we'd seen what happened all week before. We'd seen the night before a sheriff's office in Oregon get burned. CNN got torched. Police precincts in Minneapolis were torched. And, and that was all on our mind. Well, we had about 60, 70 officers throughout the whole area. And <clears throat> the protesters started about 5 o'clock. And they grew by the hour. And long about dusk is when um, they took a turn away from where they were protesting for hours before towards the local police department. And it, it was that turn that the whole temperature of the night changed. And as they were coming towards the police department, myself, another police agency, a township agency, uh, we were gathering our gear, our helmets, our batons, our shields, and, and they created a front line. And I recall the incident command stating, fortify the line, fortify the line, and literally as the sheriff. I've been on the job for 27 years. I'm walking towards this event, and I'm thinking to myself, how did we get here? Just a week ago, we were heroes for COVID-19 on the front line, and now we're the world's biggest villains because of one bad act. And it was so sad because there are good police officers all over the country and in Canada and around the world that are the majority of what we make up. But now we are not that. As I walked up to the line, I will tell you, that with my helmet and my gear, 
I was I had more anxiety and more concern and more fear than when I did make the decision to take it off and walk in the crowd. And the reason I did is because I saw a small act of humanity by a fist pump, one of the officers. I saw, I don't know who provoked it, but there was a, an attempt of, hey, what's up? And I just took off my helmet, walked in the middle of the crowd. There was a street pastor there named Jeff Hawkins that I had uh, been friends with for five years. I gave him a big old hug, and one of the lead organizers came over, and, and I grabbed him, and I said, listen, man, I love you. I said, these cops, they love you. They, they're here for you. We're here for you. That guy is not who we are. I said, what do you need? And that's when he said, tell the people, and that's what you catch on the video. It was at that moment that the hand of the Spirit came down and not only touched that crowd, but it's created a movement globally, and I have been called upon to be in the crosshairs of that movement and it was the greatest day of my police career. When that moment happened and you walked into the crowd, did, do you think that this was your own thoughts and doings, or do you think that there was something other than yourself that motivated you to do that? Great question. Number one, law enforcement um, works uh, because of experience. It works because of training. But more police officers are saved because of instinct. They, through that experience and training, they respond on a situation on autopilot, and then they find out later how they acted because you always act how you train. And on top of that, I, um, I had the Spirit of God with me. I believe it in my heart. I felt it. It turned hundreds and hundreds of hostile protesters that were angry with righteous anger eastbound away from the police department that was, was unprecedented, there was no planning. There was no strategy. It just, it just happened. And I didn't know people uh, would have responded the way they have across the nation, around the world. Uh, that led to a movement around uh, the country where police officers and police sheriffs and chiefs are, are taking a different approach to protesters. And you see that happening. You see the, the, uh, the, the anxiety start to switch and turn. It was just, it was an unbelievable moment. That's the best way I can describe it. I, I wish I could say it was a plan. I wish I could say it was all in my, you know, plan A, B, and C. None of that. We didn't even expect for them to be at the police department, and it happened so fast that it just, boom, it was right there on my lap. And a lot of people right now, I think, are looking at ways to love your neighbor, and what you did was exactly that. And a lot of your life, you talk about how you like to gab about the gospel and preach. How do you interact that love with your policing? Well, I've never been uh, fearful of showing people the gospel and talking about it after. And uh, I have throughout my whole career, and I want people to know that you have to be very cautious and you have to be very sensitive on how you talk to people. But um, I am unapologetic for who I am. I have a huge cachet of Muslim friends. I have atheist friends. I have all walks of life friends. I have homosexual friends. And, and I am just as loving to them, and I'm just as jovial and outgoing as they are to me as I am to them, and, and I have no, no fear in that. I have no shame, because I go back to what Christ said when asked, what is the greatest command? What is the greatest law? And he said, love the Lord your heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, and mind. But he doesn't stop there. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I have, on stages for the last 15 years, preached that 
that message of the two most important commands by Christ himself. And those neighbors didn't have a color attached to it, didn't have a faith attached to it, didn't have any. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I have always done that, Mahoker. That's why, to your point, what caused that? I'm not to be a hero or not to be a superhero, nothing. That's just who I am. And, 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 and the Lord prepared me for that very moment by doing all those things that probably is law enforcement, you know, are probably not the most popular, but, uh, I, you know, I, 27 years in a community of high crime and I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dead people. And, and I've been on dope teams and, and human trafficking enforcement teams and all over the country fighting, uh, sex slavery. And I, I mean, I get it, but the soft side of how to love people has gotten me more than anything else. Now, when all of this happened, Sheriff Swanson, you mentioned that you saw one of your friends in the crowd on the other side. Now, how did that make you feel? Now, I'm going to add a little fun fact that I haven't divulged yet. So, yes, I saw Jeff Hawkins, who I've known for seven years. I met him because two of his sons were murdered in Flint on two different occasions. And he spoke at an event, and I went up to him, and I'm like, bro, you are amazing. We became friends there. And he does our diversity training in the sheriff's office and we work the street together and we handle problems together. When I saw him, I knew that, uh, that we were like-minded. We were equally yoked. He'd been there all day. We had been talking. And so it was very easy for me to go and, and have that comfort. But I didn't realize till the day after that there was a picture taken. And uh, it is when I'm addressing the crowd that about 20 feet behind me was another guy. And since I was 20 years old, I had linked up with a guy named Dave Dwyer. And Dave and I have ran probably 7,000 miles together in our careers. And he's always the guy that I go to. He's my Jonathan. He's from a police department 30 miles away, but he happened to be there. And I look at that picture, and it's just symbolic that in a moment of my life, that it was the greatest moment, not only did I have a a brother in the crowd. I had another on the outside watching. And when David talks about his mighty man, I had him there that day. What got you into policing in the first place? My dad uh, was a Detroit police officer during the riots for seven years. My grandfather, his dad, was a Detroit police officer for 32 years. And as long as I can remember, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a police officer. And so when I got out of high school, I did my first internship at 18 years old here at the sheriff's office. I did two years as a seasonal Marine deputy, and I was hired full-time at 20. And uh, I worked every division and every rank, and uh, it's just part of your DNA. You know, it's like anything else. There's people that are journalists like you. There's people that are physicians. There's people that are, you know, stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms. There's people. It's just my calling, and uh, I believe that path has led me to where I am because of, uh, you know, being the people's guardian. And uh, Romans 13 carves it out. I love being a sword bearer. You were sharing with us about how you got into policing, and you said that your dad was also a police officer, and he was involved in a riot situation himself as well. My dad was in 67 riots in Detroit, yeah. And what is your father up to nowadays? He's 81 years old, and he works at a funeral home, and uh, he's got uh, my, my mom and dad are both around and uh, my mom works at J.C. Penney <laughs> at 79 years old, and my dad 
they've always been hard workers the whole life and uh, just good, good people. And what does your dad think about all of this? Okay, so this is a, you're getting to some good stuff here. The day, be, my dad lives in the city of Flint with my mom. They both have been married 60 years, okay? 60 years this year. They live in the city of Flint, and they live one mile from where this protest was. So my dad was tripping out. And when they started going eastbound towards my dad, he packed up my mom. I said, get her out. Just go to my brother's house. So I've been with them on the phone throughout the night because, you know, he'd been through riots. He understands what it's like. And he was having, you know, I don't want to say flashbacks, but he understands what I could tip over, right? So anyhow, that night at about 530 when I said, just get mom and get her out of there, he goes, Chris, whatever you do, do not go in the crowd. Just just protect yourself. Just at that level, I'm telling you, you don't know what they're going to do. I said, Dad, I got it. I understand. <laughs> that was his advice to me. And I didn't listen to a lick of it. And I guess in this situation, it was a good thing you didn't listen to your dad's advice. I know. But you know what? Dad wasn't right that night. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I, I, I'm not naive to think that sound wisdom is uh, is a great teacher. But when it comes down to it, everybody has to take all that wisdom and discernment and make their own decision. And sometimes it's going to be right. Sometimes it's going to be wrong. But you can't sit on the sidelines. And I was... I was there at a moment where I was used, and that obedience has created a cascade of response that if I dropped dead tomorrow, I would have lived a fulfilled life. What is the biggest thing as a Christian that you've learned and that you've taken away from this experience? Deuteronomy 28 talks about obedience and disobedience, and um, I am very obedient to the Word. I'm very obedient to walking uh, to the point where um, that that is that is the fabric, and so when I look at all those times, I could go, I could literally talk for hours about all the dark days of my career, and all the lawsuits, and all the things that have happened throughout my whole career. That my career has not been uh, sunshine and rainbows for 27 years because of who I am and, and what I do, but I'm. I'm honorable. I, I love what I did. I'm glad I went through those storms because it prepared me for that moment. So number one, it taught me to, Chris, no matter what, stay obedient. Number two, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. And when I walked in that crowd, I had zero fear. I was at total peace because the Spirit of God was there. I even said to one of my buddies, he saved, he's the second in command. I said, we just witnessed the Holy Spirit turn this thing. And that's the lesson is stay the course, stay the course. Just don't push it. Don't force it. Let it come to you. And that's, that's tough for a guy like me because I'm a hard charger and I want to make stuff happen. And I want to build a ladder to the moon and, and nothing can stop me. And I'm a four time Iron Man, and I'll sleep when I die. That's my whole mentality. But I learned the most by just letting God do what he does and stay obedient. Earlier, you were saying that you just have this gift of gab and you love preaching and you had the opportunity to preach to a black church recently. What was that experience like? Well, those are those are really fun to preach to because they they are filled with the spirit. So it was on the corner of Holbrook and Detroit Street on the north end of Flint. And I pulled up and because of COVID-19, they were meeting outside. They had loudspeakers up and the pastor was just finishing up. And he was just like you would think a north end uh, black church would preach. He was laying it down. Just, you know, uh, he was talking about the lady who was bleeding for 12 years and how she stayed uh, obedient. She touched his garment and he said, who touched? So he's talking about that. But he was screaming. And so 
he gets down. He's like, you know, now we're going to go to the sheriff who turned our city and did this, did that. And, and I picked up the mic and I recognized my wife and I kept the same energy and the same excitement. And I talked about the promised land. I said, you had 12 people see the same thing. 10 saw one and Caleb and Joshua saw another. And it's, I love it because I can be free. When you preach at a, at a, at a black church, they love energy and they love excitement, which is my wheelhouse because that's who I am. And uh, it's just glorious. And I, I, I laid it down for 10 minutes and I high-fived him and I was, boom, on to the next protest. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. For those who want to learn more about you, how can they go about doing that? Well, I, I want to say that I, I'm very cautious to promote Chris Swanson from the position I have as the sheriff of Genesee County. But I will tell you, you can Google Sheriff Chris Swanson. You can Google Chris Swanson, and there's about 17 pages of, uh, of fodder you can go to. I have a website that because I, I wrote a couple books that uh, have done well, and I speak all over the nation. I've done that for over 10 years, and I've already been in this field of speaking, communicating for years and years. So that's under the business of SwansonLeadership.com. So you have to really work hard not to find something I'm putting out there. Um, I would encourage your listeners to go to my Instagram, Chris underscore Swanson two six two. Of course, I'm on all the other social platforms. I just love putting messages out there, and I guarantee, if you listen to what something Chris is saying, you're going to feel better at the end. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning, Chris. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.